If you will, open up your Bibles. Now, if you're spiritual, you're going to know exactly where we're turning. How many want to take a... No, never mind. James 4. James 4. We had, a, we had somebody back there that claims to be spiritual. At least we have one this morning. Amen. James, the fourth chapter. We're going to start a new series. Now, I don't know if it'll just run every week through Christmas, but this will be different. Even though it's a topic we've touched on, there are some things I thought I would start um, further into the topic, but it seemed like I should start not at the where I wanted to. You know, have you ever seen those videos where somebody's walking and they fall through the ice? You know, or, you know, and they're in the deep end or they by the pool and they fall in and they're in the deep end. And I mean, they're like over their heads. That's how I wanted to start today instead of, you know, being like at the ocean. You know, have you ever been there? Uh, not Florida, because I know the water's much warmer, but here in the Pacific on this side, you kind of creep in and you're like, ooh, 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 and you make your way in. Well, we're going to do more of that version with this instead of just over your head all at once. So like drop you from a helicopter and, um, and then you go, whoa, that was cold. That was good. But there's going to be some truth in this that I believe will be uh, profound for people. It will maybe change your viewpoint on some things. Uh, we're going to talk about being authorized or people would say having a, a authority or legally given authority is being authorized. Literally, it means uh, it to invest with legal authority or to empower somebody. Do Christians have authority that they don't know about? Or if you do know you have authority, are there things we do or someone could be doing to short-circuit that authority and then knowing we have it but wondering why will it not work if I've got power or authority given to me, what, what's the problem or how can I make this active and really, really work? Because I don't know about you, but if Jesus said we can do it, we can do it. We don't have to wash it down. We don't have to change it. But if we're not seeing what's supposed to be there, uh, we, we should look in the Scripture and see why not, uh, meaning results-wise, and make those changes. Let me make this statement as we get started here, and I'll turn to James 4, 2. Uh, not 4, verse 2, but 4 also. And um, I think this statement needs to be said. It should go without saying, but it does need to be said. Many times people question things in their own life, like what's going on? Uh, what, what do I need to do? What, what's going on in my life? And I'm talking from a Christian standpoint, a believer. What believers need to realize th is this, usually what's going on in your life does not need something profound to happen, to change it, whatever. Many times people are looking for something profound, uh, something like out of the ordinary, something super deep, and that's what's going to bring the change in my life. I found this. That is not true. Now, whether you like that statement or not, that's okay. Just hold on to it. Write it down. You could scribble it off your notes in a little bit. 
but let's check it out from Scripture because I have found that many times people search for something that is uh, that they're looking for this and they're looking for that, and what they're really needing is something simplistic. And if you could ever do this, have a basic idea of basic things for the Christian to do that you would always keep at the forefront of your life, you would solve the majority of your problems right there. But what happens is certain people start doing things, and I'm talking Christians, that violate some of those most basic principles, and then they're not getting the results, things are not happening, and they think, I've got to get this greater revelation, I've got to have this greater experience, I've got to have this wonderful thing, I've got to have Jesus appear to me. Bless God. That's the only way my problem is going to be solved. This is so huge, it can't change unless Jesus himself would appear. And, uh, and I do think there are people that are so looking for the spectacular, they miss the supernatural. And then they're trying to get something big, and then it's in, and they're looking in all the wrong places, as the song goes. Somebody said, what song? I don't know. I just know there is some country song. James, the fourth chapter. That's horrible for me to quote that right here in church. A country song. But you'll pray for me. James 4, verse 7. And we're going to read this one verse, and then we're going to go backwards in, in looking at this. Are you ready? Everybody's ready. Got your seatbelt on? Because you're going to need to. You got hold of the door. Because, you know, when you make some quick turns and stuff like that, you've got to be holding on for the ride. James 4, verse 7. Do Christians have authority that they may not know about or know about it, but have not seemed to get it to work? Are there fundamental things that we can do as Christians to make this authority work? And are they so simple we might overlook them? And or have we thought that resisting the devil is just going, you leave in Jesus' name. And is there an element of truth in that? Yes. But is it all the truth? By far, no. Ready? James 4, verse 7. How does faith come? By hearing the word of God. So what are we going to get? Faith. We're going to get God's perspective when we read the scripture. This is God's perspective of how things work. James 4, verse 7. Therefore... And this is a commonly quoted scripture among charismatics, you know, different types of believers, you know. Resist the devil, or I'm sorry, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, right there, if that's the only verse we looked at, it would definitely state that you as a believer have some kind of authority where you could resist demon power or the powers of darkness, whether it was a demon itself or something influenced by darkness, and it would then flee or leave you. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say pray to God, and it would leave you. You with me? How many times did, did people uh, pray in the New Testament for a demon to leave and say, God, make it? Or did every author make similar statements like this? And if they did, 
which they did, then that means the Christian has been authorized. They have legally been given authority through the Word and through the name of Jesus and other activities to make things leave. But notice the first part of this verse. Therefore, therefore. You know, people have said this before. What's the therefore when therefore is written? Therefore means he just got finished saying some things concerning what he is saying now. And we're going to go into those things uh, as quick as we can. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm excited about this week, I'm excited about next week, and for every week that we teach on this, because there are some real interesting things that I hadn't even seen before, and I've looked at this topic and studied this topic for years, because it's of such essential value to every Christian. And uh, notice this, therefore, submit to God. Notice that phrase, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, submit means to lower one's will and desires to another's or to someone else's. Now, you just be, be listening to this. Submit means you are or I am, to, meaning submit, to lower a will or a desire to somebody else's will and desire, and to follow it. And it literally means when you, it says submit, it's inferring at this point you are not. Because why would I have to lower my will and my desire to someone else if it's identically the same? Then there's no reason to submit to put myself under their direction, because my direction is the same as their direction. Therefore, there is no necessity to submit, because I'm already in agreement. I'm already heading down that path. So when he says here, submit to God, resist it, and who's he writing to? Sinners? No. To us, or those who have given their life to Jesus. Therefore, submit to God, Resist the devil. So submit to God literally means, in this context, they were not submitted. Their will and their desires were not in line with God's. To submit means to lower it and follow the other's direction. You with me? So when we say, Jesus, be my Lord... When we give our life, we basically signed up to be submitted. That means whenever my will and my desire does not come in line with His will and desire, whose will and desire should change? Mine, not His. He'll let you do your own thing. He will. But understand this, it's no doubt telling you if you don't submit then you are not going to be able to resist the devil and make him flee from you. And there lies the problem many times. And so is there a solution? Sure there is. Now remember, this little tiny verse is a therefore verse. 
So it's at the end of some uh, scriptural direction, some stuff from God. And what we're talking about is, are we authorized? Then what are the things we do to make this authority become a reality and work in our life? And if it's not working in my life, I'm going to have a tough time making it work in someone else's life through me. Are you with me? And therefore, my effect on them will be affected. And this is super important in the day and age we live. What's amazing to me is whether you realize it or not, we are living in the last days. We are watching scriptures come to pass. We're living right in the middle of a pandemic. And the Bible said those things would happen and be a sign of the end. We're, we're seeing uh, countries, Iran, which is Persian in the Bible, and others, Russia and Turkey, I don't know why it wasn't in the mainstream news this week. Israel attacked Iran this week in Syria. More than once. Killed some of their... And we're not talking about it. That is a sign of the end time. We are, we are closer to the return of the Lord than people realize this is a time to walk in this because we know there's going to be other bad stuff happening and we're going to want to be able to resist the enemy. And we're going to want to make him move. We need to look like the church, act like the church, and live a supernatural life that's not fruity cocoa puffs. You know what I mean? So it looks all flaky and weird, you know? The cornflake Christian. No. Sometimes people get a bad name, but using authority and walking in the supernatural should look natural to the Christian, and it shouldn't be some weirdo something, but should be based with real results where people can get results that are Bible. You with me? And so if this stuff is simple, but we're violating certain truths, it won't work for us. But aren't you glad that he wrote this after he wrote some stuff? So we're going to see a Christians here, we're doing it wrong, and he basically said, you can get it right, and it'll start working. That's good news. Because some people think this, well, I've been doing it wrong, I haven't been doing it right, well, I'm just doomed then. And he was basically saying, you are not doomed. You just do this, and this will start working for you. Are we ready? Verse 13 of the third chapter, and we're going to look at where the therefore starts. Are you ready? And we're going to roll through this. Maybe not fast, but we will roll through it. You with me? Who is wise and understanding among you? That's a question. Who's wise among you and has understand or understands things? Well, what does wisdom mean? Wisdom means skillful in, in putting things into practice. Knowledge and information. So he said, is there anybody wise? Anybody know how to put stuff into practice as a Christian? Is there anybody this means then there are certain actions that are appropriate and certain actions that are not. And so he said, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct. Now, it's not a bunch of rules, but it literally means your manner of life. By a good manner of life, that his works are done in the meekness 
There's this word again of wisdom. What does meekness mean? It means one who does not argue against the Lord. So what we're about to look at is a lot of internal that shows up external in our actions. Meek means this, because he said it earlier in the book. He said, receive with meekness God's word, which will then change your thinking. Well, meek literally means one who doesn't fight and argue against what the Lord is saying and what he's saying in his word. How many people today argue about the Bible? They'll say, I don't have to be a good Christian to go to church. Well, the Bible said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And if he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, well, if you bought something that said some assembly is required and you didn't assemble it, then we'd have some issues, right? Look at the swing set I got. Well, it's disassembled. You understand it's a play on words, but then it does point a picture that you can't really swing and you can't really go down the slide and you really can't do the monkey bars and everything else that's on your swing set if it's disassembled. But there is something to be said when you come together. And there is a necessity to it. And so he says here, let him show by good conduct or the way he lives that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. In other words, when remember at the beginning when somebody's in the middle of a test and trial in the book of James? He said, if you're in the middle of a hard time and you're struggling in your walk, he said, let that person ask of God who will give wisdom show you skill and how to do things, and he won't upbraid you. He won't go, come on, you've asked that before. That means upbraid. Like, come on, you're going to ask that? That's a, you know, because sometimes we'll do that. How many times do I have to tell you? That's upbraiding. And you know, the Lord doesn't go, how many times do I got to tell you? He said he won't upbraid you. You could just ask. Some people have asked and asked, and they don't even need to ask for wisdom. They know the wisdom, they're just not doing it. That's a different program. But he said, the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. In other words, they're not arguing against the direction they got. And, and he said, let him show this. This is how all Christians should live, where we don't argue against God, we live a submitted life to Him. Because remember the context, submit, means to lower your will. Sometimes people know what they're about to do is wrong, and they do it anyway. But I'm glad that God will have mercy, but there can be consequences. And sometimes people have lived in the consequences so long, they don't even realize that they're living in the consequences. They just think, as a Christian, life is just miserable. And it doesn't matter what they do, there's leakage. And they can work on the leakage. I remember uh, my grandmother had her own little boat in the place in Montana where they had on this lake. And they had more than one boat. But she had her own little aluminum boat and that thing had some leaks. I mean some leaks. And, and I would repair them and then you put caulking here and do this. And I mean I'm putting it everywhere. And I remember they were so bad. Even you work on them, you know, trying to patch it. You get out there and think, uh, this is not safe. And there are some people trying to patch stuff in their life, and they don't need to patch. They need to make some real changes. And they keep patching and patching and thinking, well, if I pray enough, if I give enough, if I do this enough, there's leakage. 
there's leakage that needs to be changed. And it doesn't matter how much you pray when you're not doing the right thing, it won't work. Remember in the Old Testament? Why do I hear the sheep calling out? Well, guys hide them in his tent and the Lord came and challenged him and said, why did you do that? He said, well, I, was just gonna, I saved these to give an offering to you. And the Lord said, I don't care to have your sacrifice. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Well, I was going to pray. I was going to do this. I was going to give. I was going to... And he said, no, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who are going to follow what is right. You with me? And you can't make it up. I mean, you got to know or you don't know. And God is this way. And if you're doing it right, then you can do all the rest. But there, this is something that's fundamental for all Christians. Everybody okay? What we're talking about is fundamental for all. So he said, does your life show meekness of wisdom? And this is all about inward struggle or inward desire and obedience. And outward action. Notice verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast or proclaim, oh, I'm going down the right path, this is what I'm supposed to do, and lie against the truth. How many people have done this in their life and they've tried to persuade others, but they had bitter envy? Now, somebody might hear the word bitter envy there and think bitterness, like, Oh, like he's bitter. No, this bitter is interesting because he uses the same term, envy, about the Holy Spirit's work in us, but it's not called envy. Or called bitter, it's just called envy. It's just this desire to go this way. To have this thing, to do this thing on their own course. And so he said here, self-seeking, which is, literally means selfish ambition, how many people think that little things don't matter to the Lord or big things don't or, you know, whatever. It's real interesting, this context, because self-seeking is an inward conflict. Selfishness is an inward conflict against our real nature in Christ. Everybody okay? It's really arguing and creating an inward struggle. And when you have inward struggles, we've all seen people like that. I have recently. I talked to somebody about it. Actually, Pastor Linda. I looked at this person's face. I was like, man, they're so inwardly conflicted. They, there's something wrong. Everybody okay? Have, we have, have you ever looked in the mirror when you're just submitted to God and doing the right thing? I didn't say it was easy all the time and everything is right. And you just went, wow, my face is, looks good. No, I don't mean like, look at this magazine. I look good today. Not like that, meaning the Bible talks about your face shining. You, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking like you're so vain or let's all be vain and look at ourselves and go, you look good today. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, we all know, you know, you can look at a supermodel, and I've thought that about some of my thoughts. Some of them have the appearance of what's nice, but they don't look good. There's life missing. 
And those things come because of the inside of a person. You with me? We all know this place. We're Christians, I think. But if you're not, you can become saved. But notice this, verse 14, but if you have bitter envy, so it's just that wrong taste or a wrong desire, and selfish ambition or self-seeking in your hearts, in your core, in your will, do not boast or proclaim things outwardly and lie against the truth. I'm doing this. This is it. That happens and can happen with people. You know, I remember this one guy, he told me, uh, several of us had people had talked to him and said, you're going down the wrong path. And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm right, I'm right. I know it. And he went ahead and got married to this one person. And man, that thing exploded. You know what he told, told me later, years later? It took him a while to get back and get going. His life, it, it cost him dearly. He said this to me. He said, do you want me to be honest with you? I said, well, I, I don't, it's up to you. You don't have to say. But he said, I want to tell you. He said, I had always dreamed of a girl with real long, long, straight hair. She was good looking. She had long, long, straight hair. And she, he said, I knew the whole time. Could you imagine going down the aisle knowing? She's not it, but I'm going to do it. And doing it. And then it was like, oh, she didn't want to serve God. She, and she didn't want to do these. And he feels like he's called to the ministry. Now, I understand there's grace for people. But, when, but this cost him more than he wanted to pay. And he didn't think it would cost him. He thought it would be real easy. He eventually remarried. Uh, and wasn't sweating the long hair. Yeah, I guess maybe he thought at this point, let's get her a wig. It don't matter. I don't care. I'm not doing that again. But we don't need to learn from somebody else or from our, from our own thing. We can learn from other people, right? Notice this, uh, verse 15. This wisdom, what wisdom? This self-seeking wisdom or application of knowledge. This wisdom uh, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, or of personal desire. And it's demonic. Say, what? You're saying it's demonic? Yeah, it's the same thing how Satan got into Adam and Eve's life when he got into the council of their mind and they started reasoning why it was okay to go down this path and why it was okay for them to not submit to God and why they were missing out on something. You're, you're missing out. I mean, think about it. Go the wrong way and you're not missing out? No, he said, you're, you're, you're missing out. God's not telling you the whole truth. No, God's telling you everything you need to know. Hallelujah. But the devil's the one who's the liar, liar. Pants on fire guy telling you, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And he said, this is not the right wisdom or the way, way of applying truth to the Christian. He said, it's demonic. 
he's going to about to take it to a whole another level. Because it's one thing to go, yeah, that was a demonic choice. Could you imagine a Christian making a demonic choice? Adam and Eve made a choice in line with the devil. That sounds so foreign, but we need to understand. Because then we might hate certain things. Everybody okay? Notice this. This isn't for me to tell you. This is for us to look at, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, oh, don't do that. It's demonic. But in one sense, we know things. And we need to understand where that wisdom comes from. If it's, a, if it's not pro-God and pro-His direction, we need to know the source. Because notice the very next verse. For where envy and self-seeking exist... And really, this is when people are acting on it. Confusion and every evil thing are there. Wow, all of a sudden the lines start getting blurred. Evil things are there. Isn't that interesting? Well, how did the evil come? By submitting to demonic wisdom. But I know if you say that, somebody will say, well, the wisdom and the ideas I'm following are not demonic. Well, if, and I'm not trying to make it like devil, 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 you know, because you can get this wrong. But we do need to realize there is a devil out there, and he's teaching you how to win. And we're talking about authorized people having legal authority given to them, and he's teaching you principles to whip his behind. You know what I'm talking about? That's what he's teaching right here. So you can't just cherry pick verse 7 and go, just resist the devil, or tell somebody, just resist the devil when they're submitting to his wisdom. And they've got internal struggles going on. They've got to get that straightened out. Everybody Okay. For where envy and self-seeking exist. Now it's not just self-seeking, it's me wanting and doing. Exist, notice confusion is there. What is confusion? It's just being blurred about something. It's not clarity. Every evil thing is there. It's just because it's an open door, it's an invitation for evil to be present. Now, evil is going to be about us anyway. Because we live in a fallen world. But this is talking about stuff getting into people's lives. Getting into their business. Notice the next verse, 17. But the wisdom that is from above. So he's talking about Christians applying truth. Right? Right? And doing the right thing. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle. These are about inward attitudes. Notice this next thing, willing, willing, willing to yield. In other words, okay, God, whatever you're dealing with me about, I'm going to yield to it. Now, when we first look, we have to look at the Word first. Are we yielding to the Word? Are we yielding to the truth? Or have we adopted some wisdom, like Satan said, and said, it's okay if you don't do this. It's okay if you go down this path. God knows that in the day you do it, this will occur. God's realizing some stuff. 
No, he said, that wisdom is not good. He said the wisdom that's from above is got a will involved in it that's able and wanting or at least takes their will and goes, no matter what, I'm going to do this right thing that I know is right. What are we talking about? People being authorized and simple things or simple adjustments makes this authority work. But how could I have this authority working if I'm not doing these fundamental things? You could literally, without me having explained things, go like this. You just need to really respond to the Lord in His inward dealings. Make sure you're not doing stuff on your own likes and wants and you're following His word first. Then you can walk in freedom. Remember the song I said? Right in line. I could have just said that and you'd have gone, okay. But when you look at things, it will start, the truth will start dealing with things because God will work with His Word. And notice this. He said, but the wisdom that is from above, so there's an earthly one, it's demonic. Evil is there when it's acted on and confusion is there. There's not clarity in spiritual things and matters and in life, but the wisdom it causes unrest internally. But the, and he said, don't boast about it. You can boast outwardly, I'm cool, but if you're not inwardly, it don't matter how much you boast. You could post about it on Facebook. You could post about it on Instagram. You could write everybody a postcard. I mean, that's going over the top. And say, I'm doing the right thing. Like that guy that, that said, I'm doing the right thing. And people were picking it up that he was doing the wrong thing. And he still went ahead with it. Man, it cost him in so many ways. Cost him spiritually, emotionally, and financially, and time. And we don't have a ton of time. That's why it says, buy up the days that are evil by living correctly. Or doing the right thing in Ephesians 5. Everybody good? We're going to keep going. Even if you're not, hold on. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's not defiled. It's not been tampered with. Like some things. Then peaceable. Gentle. And here's the thing. In other words, when he's talking about gentle, we're talking about it is a certain way and we don't argue with it. Willing to, willing to yield. Full of mercy. And good fruits without partiality. In other words, we don't tweak it for certain circumstances. That's a good one. Without hypocrisy. You don't have to hide behind the mask. That's what a hypocrite does. They show one thing, but inwardly there's something else going on. That's a hypocrite. And he said, you know, because like some people say, I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to go to any church. Because it's full of hypocrites and I'm a hypocrite. And, you know, meaning the person saying it. So I don't want to go. But listen, he told us right here we could get rid of hypocrites. Not make everybody leave, but change them. By acting on the wisdom that comes from above, then we're not portraying one thing but doing another. Then it goes on to say how this fruit is sown and how it starts planting good things that will come back in your life. Now, fourth chapter, first verse. It's all the same context. Where do wars and fights come from among you? In other words, and he's not talking about you fighting your neighbor. 
He's talking about internal and struggles in your walk. He said, where do they come from? Where do these fights and wars come from? And walk with God. He said, do they not come from your desires for pleasures that war within your members or inside of you? Isn't that what he just got done talking about? There's desires to go one way, and then there's desires for God that wants you to go a different way. And then it says you, he said you lust, or literally means desire. Lust can be positive desire or negative desire. He said you lust and you do not have, or in other words, you desire strongly and do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And then when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask wrong so that you may uh, consume it and spend it on your own pleasures. He's going back to those inward motives of just wanting things for me and to do things my way. And he said, this is what causes many struggles or struggles in people's life is being selfish. In other words, they're really not walking according to a genuine God kind of love like God loves. They're selfish. And he's saying there's a remedy and we need to, if you want to get rid of internal things, you can't be about you, you've got to be about Him. And it can't be about you praying and go, I want this Lord, thank you, I'll have it. No, you can't just ask wrong and say, I'll do this, you'll consume it, but you really won't have what you're looking for. That's what he said. Notice verse 4 adulterers and adulteresses. When I used to read that, I didn't understand because I used to think, oh, he is talking here about something totally off. Like he was just talking, talking and just totally changed his, his, uh, his statements. You know, he just changed the subject. And I didn't realize till years later, he did not change the subject. When he talked about an adulterer or adulteress, I thought the only way you can do that is to be married and then you commit a sexual act with somebody else who's married, but not to the person you're married to, that's adultery. But do you know that's not what this means? He said adulterers and adulteresses. Now he's talking about these people that, that we've talked about before. Now think of this. Every Christian is a bride. We will go to a marriage supper at some time. You know, the Bible talks about it. But the Bible said that we're married to Him now. We've already been joined to Him. And notice this statement. This is a bold statement, He said. And, now, and I'm not saying everybody's like this, but we'll all have opportunities. He said, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or evil with God. Whosoever therefore wants to be friend of the world or the world's ways makes himself an enemy of God. The word adulterer and adulteress literally means submitting to the wrong thing and then it affecting your fellowship with the Lord. That's all it means. And affecting your walk with God by submitting to something wrong. When I read that for the first time in the Greek, I went, oh, that ties everything together. I am, if I submit and I'm joined to the Lord, all of us are joined to the Lord if we're saved. 
And he said, to do this, now you understand, I'm not talking to everybody, but I'm talking to everybody. In this aspect, if we want the authority to work, we need to realize we need to live a submitted life. And the way that God looks at it is totally different many times than people look at it. And he said, adulterers, adulteresses, this affects your fellowship with God. This affects your walk with God. He said, so if you want to be a friend and follow these ways, you're going to do something that's going to affect your relationship with him. And many times that's where people miss it, is they uh, want something that's not appropriate, and instead of resisting it, they submit to it. Everybody okay? God loves us just the same, but that doesn't mean there isn't effects for it. Notice this. Or do you, verse 5, do you think the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in you yearns jealously? You know that word jealous there in the King James is translated and says yearns enviously? It's the same word that was talked about bitter envy. A wrong desire a God-propelled desire. His Spirit yearns for fellowship, for you to follow, for you to go down a certain path, to walk with God, because ultimately this life is about fellowship with God and living life with God. You guys with me? We're almost done. Verse 6, But He gives more grace, therefore He said, God resists the proud. He's basically saying the one who follows their own desire, God opposes that and resists it. But gives grace to the humble or to the meek or the one who submits his will. Humble, humble, you get more grace. God resists the proud, the self-willed. Notice verse 6, but He gives more grace. More grace. More grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now let's read verse 7 after seeing the therefore, why it was all there. Therefore, submit to God. Super simple. Why would you say all that? Why didn't you just say, submit to God, resist the devil? Because the therefore, submit to God, is based on different things. And the therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So this tells me right here this. The Christian has authority from God. And it will work. But it tells me this. I have to cooperate with this authority in order for it to work. I can't play with it. It's a reality. It's not me finding ten commandments and trying to keep certain commandments. It's about me walking with God and doing the things I know that I am to do. So that's going to take an honest assessment. It's going to take time in fellowship. It's going to take time walking with God. It's going to take time doing. And when you do, there will be something vital about it. You know, if we're not praying, if we're not seeking God and asking, and you know, because sometimes people don't realize that's part of your relationship with God is having a prayer time, having time with Him, reading 
then right there, um, we, we could be in danger if we're not sensitive to making some choices that are not appropriate. Because here's what we want. And here's what we're going to have. We're going to have submission to God. At least I'm declaring that. You can join in and say, I'm going to have submission to God. Therefore, I'm going to be able to resist the devil. And the devil is going to flee from me. And he's not going to get in all my goods and get in all my stuff and get into my life and rip me off before the Lord returns. I'm going to walk in the right place. Amen? So we're talking about being authorized. We're going to look at some real interesting things as we move forward. But if we're talking about how it works and making it work, these are some fun... Isn't it super simple what I just said? I mean... We could have all just, you could have said, well, we could have just saved a bunch of time and just said, obey the Lord. We could have already been getting lunch right about now. Could have already had my order in, could have already had it back. But here's the thing. When you hear truth like this, it'll come against arguments and lies in your mind if you're open to it. And God will deal with you and challenge you. Why? Because he wants this to work so bad he gave us all this information. So you could put it into practice and get supernatural results.